What up, podcast land? This is your host, Jam and Joe Colleen of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. I am a senior at the University of Georgia. Um, I love the University of Georgia very much, and I love these Atlanta pro sports teams, and I just want to convey to the listener my love and passion for sports, and I hope this podcast can do it for you. I'm with my co-host and astute sidekick, RG3. RG3 is going to tell us a little bit about himself. I grew up here in Athens, and then went to school at Auburn University. So I root for Georgia when they're not playing in Auburn, for the most part. And on certain circumstances, I'll root for Georgia. For instance, uh, the SEC championship, I was definitely pulling for Georgia. Well, here on the Fan Raw Seasons podcast, we're going to talk about local sports. We're going to talk about University of Georgia, the football program, the basketball program, and the baseball program. We're also going to talk Atlanta pro sports. We're going to talk the Braves, Hawks, and Falcons as well. And we're gonna, the point of this podcast is to keep it light. Um, fun, you know, we're gonna try to make you guys laugh a little bit, you know, just make it interesting. And on today's episode, we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. Okay, so we're here live um, on the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast with our first guest, Dan McGowan. Dan is the biggest Philadelphia Eagle fan that I know who lives here in Athens. And we're gonna talk a little bit about the Eagles in the uh, in the Super Bowl. How's it going, Dan? It's going well. I'm just uh, excited for this Super Bowl the rematch 2004, and I'm just hoping the Eagles can get it done. Exactly, exactly. So let's get right into it. Okay, so my first question for you is, what has impressed you the most about the Eagles' offense since the loss of Carson Wentz? Man, that's a, that's a tough question, because uh, not much has impressed me about the Eagles' offense since Carson Wentz went down until that Minnesota Vikings game. I was pretty nervous about them. They were sputtering, and they weren't, they weren't playing super well. But something just clicked in that Vikings game, and they were they were able to run the ball, they were able to throw the ball, and um, you know it gave me a lot more hope that we can uh, uh, hang with the Patriots and that Bill Belichick defense. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think Nick Foles is has been a guy who's just stepped up in the playoffs here, and has really been big for the Eagles as well as Jay Ajayi. On offense, I think between the running game and Foles, it's really been better. Yeah, Nick Foles last game, he just he played huge. He was just uh, he was very accurate and he was, uh, you know, confident in his decisions in his decision making and uh, he just he was leading the team. And the, again, Jay Ajayi has been he's been awesome. He's been, you know, a very good change of pace back and he's been getting a majority of the ca- carries in the playoffs. Hmm. Hmm. So my second question for you is where, in your opinion, is the strength of the Eagles' defense? The strength of the Eagles' defense, I think, is definitely in the pass rush, the defensive line. They rotate in about eight different guys um, between, you know, Fletcher Cox is the big defensive tackle in the middle, and he's he's a stud. Um, he's, he wreaks havoc on defenses, but they have, they have about eight guys they come in between. Brandon Graham, Chris Long, uh, Bo Allen, uh, the rookie Derek Barnett. You know, there's just the pass when the pass rush and the and the defensive line is playing well. That's when uh, that's when the defense is playing well because sometimes they're a little bit weak in the secondary. And if if a quarterback has time, they can pick them apart sometimes. But when when defensive line is playing well, that's when uh, Eagles are are really rolling on defense. And you bring up the name Derek Barnett. A lot of people. Here in Athens, remember that name because he played here at Tennessee. There's an interesting parallel between Tennessee and the Eagles. Um, Derek Barnett broke Reggie White's um, sack record that he had at Tennessee, and Reggie White was the great uh, 
defensive lineman um, for the Philadelphia Eagles and, you know, Derek Barnett, you know, kind of falling in his footsteps, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a funny coincidence there. You know, that's one of the few things being a huge Georgia fan too. I wish there was a few more Georgia Bulldogs on the team, but once they once they make it to the Eagles, I'm all for them. But um, you know, Derek Barnett's played really well this year. He's uh, he's he's a rotation guy, so he's not he's not an every down every snap type of guy. But bringing him in on pass rush on third down, he's he had a huge sack fumble in that Falcons game um, earlier in the playoffs too, and so he's played very well. Mm-hmm. So my next question for you is what is a key matchup that you see in the game against the Patriots that is to the Eagles' advantage? Um, a key matchup, I think it could be, you know, this. I'm, I'm a little torn on this one. It could be to the Eagles' advantage. It could not be to the Eagles' advantage. But I think the Eagles' run game is going to be huge. Um, just knowing a Bill Belichick coach team, um, he's going to try and uh, take something away from you, something that you do well. And I think he's going to try and take the Eagles' run away from because the Eagles' run has been very efficient. He's going to force Nick Foles to throw the ball. I think the Eagles still want to run the ball. They've been running some creative run plays, you know, some reverses and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be really important for the Eagles to be able to run the ball well so that uh, Nick Foles doesn't have to shoulder all the load against a, a New England defense. Um, so I think if if the Eagles can run the ball well, it's going to just open things up so that the offense can click more. But if he if they can't run the ball well, it's just gonna they're going to be one dimensional and put a lot on Nick Foles. And we've all seen you know the Belichick defenses of the past try to make teams one dimensional as possible. I mean I mean I can remember you know the Super Bowl last year being a diehard Falcons fan that I am. Um, how he was trying to make Matt Ryan, um, you know, beat him and not let Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman get loose. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same thing this year. And, you know, as of both of us Georgia fans and Eagles and Falcons fans, we, we've kind of felt the same pain lately. And so Absolutely. I'm just hoping, you know, someone can beat one of those evil teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. My next question for you is the Eagles' place kicker has been a real surprise. Did anyone expect Jake Elliott the rookie from Memphis, to have this kind of success? No, I think he's been one of the biggest surprises on the Eagles. Uh, you know, he's uh, he was a guy that wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of the year. That Caleb Sturgis was their kicker. Um, but he went down with an injury in week one, I think. And then... Uh, Jake Elliott stepped in in his first game. Uh, we were playing the we were playing the Giants, and it was uh, actually in New York, and it was a really sloppy game. Eagles didn't play well, but it was a tie game towards the end of the end of the game, and there was five seconds left, and Eagles it was a, Eagles were just on the outskirts of field goal range, and Jake Elliott hit a 62 yard field goal to win it. I think that's really what sparked him to start, you know, playing well, and then. Uh, Ever since this, ever since that moment, he's he's been pretty much automatic. He missed one extra point in the Falcons playoff game, but I'm pretty confident when they send him out, out there that it's going to be through the uprights. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's a and that's a big factor um, for a team to have a really strong uh, place kicker. I should know, being a Falcons fan, you know, having Matt Bryant, you know, we've been we've been spoiled. Uh, with with him and he's had such a great career here in Atlanta. So. Yeah, he's a weapon. You know, we saw in Georgia. You know, we have Hot Rod at Georgia. It was kind of Absolutely. a weapon in the Rose Bowl, and it can change the game. So hopefully, hopefully Jake's able to do that in the Super Bowl. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. My final question for you, Dan, is what do you like most about Doug Peterson's coaching style? Uh, what do I like most about Doug Peterson's coaching style? Mm. 
I like that it's you know it's different than Chip Kelly. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a return to the Andy Reid era, but I think he's a little bit more creative than Andy was. Um, mm. I like the fact that he's aggressive. That's actually probably my favorite thing about it. Now that I think about it, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it's fourth and one, Eagles are rushing to the line, quarterback sneak, or 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 running some kind of power run play. You know, hurry up, um, and they're not they're they're confident they're gonna. Uh, get that first down and they're not they're not punting on fourth and one you know they're aggressive they're going out to win the game so that's one of the biggest things I like I like about him and I just like his creativity on offense how he's running a lot of different types of run plays you know some you know outside stuff inside stuff getting different people involved they got Nelson Aguilar involved in the run game as a wide receiver um, Mm -hmm. a little bit in the playoffs and so I think he's just uh, varying things up and keeping folks like uh, Bill Belichick guessing who, you know, he's not running the same plays consistently in week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being a part of the Van Brawl Seasons podcast. And uh, good luck to your Eagles. Thank you for having me. Go Eagles. So we're going to transition from the Super Bowl to a little UGA basketball talk here. Um, me and RG3 are going to get into it. So here we go. Well, the dogs are... 12-7 and seven overall, 3-5 and five in the SEC. Uh, the last game was Arkansas at home, lost in double time, 80-7-7. Yeah, they, yeah, they lost in double at 80-77. I was there in the student section. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And they were play, and Georgia just didn't make plays down the stretch. They turned the ball over. Um, you, you know, Arkansas, what most teams do when they try to take away Georgia or try to stop Georgia, you double-team Yontem. You double-team the best player in the SEC, who's averaging 20.5 points a game and nine and a half rebounds. I mean, he's just absolutely incredible. And I, and I feel like the thing that's I feel like the thing that's tough for Georgia right now is where are they going to find that second and third score consistently? Um, you know, in the Arkansas game, you had Jawan Parker have 12 points and uh, Turtle Jackson with 15, and those are two of your guards, but. But of late, you know, they've both kind of been up and down, especially Turtle, you know, playing point guard and having to take care of the ball and score. So, so that's what I would say to that. I feel like Georgia's going to have to find some help um, from the guard spots. And Parker and Jackson are two guys that need to step up and can contribute more for Georgia. Yeah, and they've been pretty good on the rebound side of the game with, you know, Yonte, of course, at 15. Mm-hmm. And then Jackson at 5 and Derek. Derek Obede with 5. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're... And Georgia's killing it on the glass. Um, I did see a stat when Georgia wins the rebounding war, they're ten and zero. So and so that's the big thing with Georgia, with the size that Georgia has. And Georgia has big guards. You know, Jackson six four. You know, Jawan Parker is like six five, six four. Six, um, and so Georgia's done a really good job of banging down low and getting rebounds. And uh, Obede and Mayton are just two of the best big guys as far as rebounding for the dogs. And another guy that we didn't mention yet it was uh, Nicholas Claxton, who came off the bench and added uh, nine points for the dogs, the true freshman. Um, I really like his upside. Um, Claxton has a nice jump shot. He's left-handed. Um, he's really athletic. And we did see, we also saw a couple slam dunks from him. He uh, he can throw him down pretty hard. Um, Claxton, Claxton also has a family connection with Georgia. His dad, Charles, played for the Dogs in the early 90s. And um, so that's pretty cool. You know, father and son both playing. Or Nick, in this case, currently playing for Georgia. It's, it's pretty cool. 
and then the bloodlines run deep for the red and black. So that's pretty cool. Why do you think Mark Fox uh, decided to put Nick into the game? I think I think the reason why Coach Fox did it is definitely because uh, Nicholas Claxton brings energy. He he's a he's a high energy guy. He's 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 a matchup problem. He's very quick for a guy his size. He's very athletic, um, and he can also block shots. He's incredibly long, like really really long arms, really long wingspan, and he can also run the floor for a big guy. And I think the future is very bright for Nicholas Claxton. Hmm. Very bright. I I couldn't get over how good uh, Dwayne Macon was, especially especially in the end of the game in overtime. He de- he definitely was like the cold blooded killer for Arkansas, and and that's where I feel like going back to Georgia for two seconds. It is where Georgia like lacks is what they lack is a is a guy you know who wants the ball in a big situation you know, can hit a big shot like a J.J. Frazier or like a Kenny Gaines from a few years back. You know, guys like that who can stretch the defense. But, yeah, credit to credit to Macon and, uh, and Barford, you know, 25 and 24 points respectively. And, you know, I think they were definitely the, uh, definitely the reason for Arkansas getting the win on the road. So what do you think the dogs need to take on the road to Kansas State for the Big 12 Challenge? What, what I would say Jordan needs to do – against Kansas State, is Georgia just needs to get back to playing Georgia basketball. They need to value the ball. They need. They obviously need to get Yontay going. And then Yontay has to have help. You know, like I said earlier, you know, the guards the guards for Georgia have got to step up. Turtle Jackson has got to step up, not only not only scoring, but also taking care of the basketball. And Tishon Hightower, true freshman, he needs to come in, or when he's in, he needs to take care of the ball. Um... I'm really looking for guys like Jawan Parker, um, who we mentioned earlier, to step up today for the dogs. And just and that's really what it's gonna take. It's definitely gonna take, you know, a couple secondary options, um, scoring for Georgia, um, to make it to make it more of a balanced attack. And the dogs have gotta cut down on the turnovers. They had they had a bunch against Arkansas last week. And I feel like Kansas State is gonna watch film of what Arkansas did and what Auburn did, and they pressed Georgia really hard. So Georgia's press break is going to have to be really crisp against Kansas State when Kansas State decides to press against the Dogs. If the Dogs do that, they take care of the ball. If they run their press break well and they get secondary scoring besides Deontay, I think, I think Georgia's got a chance to not only beat Kansas State, but to turn this season around. Well, we're going to switch it up here. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. And what we're going to be talking about is Chipper Jones, former Atlanta Brave great, getting accepted to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. So when we break down Chipper Jones' career, some points to think about. So Chipper played all 19 years of his Major League career with the Atlanta Braves. He was the number one overall pick in 1990. That's pretty cool. I mean, you rarely see guys nowadays who are number one picks and play with their one team that they were drafted by. When you say that's kind of crazy, RG3? Oh, yeah, but I just love that he just made Atlanta his home. He wasn't motivated by the money or the fame. He mm. he created a family with mm. the Atlanta Braves. And he was a great, a great player here, obviously. And one of the big reasons why I personally got into playing baseball, and I, and I can remember a little league, you know, I always wanted to be number 10, and I always wanted to play third base to be just like Chipper. Like, that's how much of an impact Chipper had on my life. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so we look at Chipper's career here, um, his career statistics. He batted a career average of 303 with 468 career home runs and 1,623 career RBIs and an on-base percentage of .401, which is pretty impressive. You know, he's third all-time among switch hitters with home runs with 468, as I mentioned. I think that's really impressive that he's able, and he was able to do that, to be able to switch both right-handed and left-handed and be as effective as he was. I think, um, I think that's, I think that's one of the great things that you can admire about Chipper is uh, his work ethic. And he also originally was drafted as a shortstop. I don't know if you guys knew that, but he was originally a shortstop in high school. And the Braves moved him to third base in the minor leagues. And, uh, and and they were just like, you know, we're in need of a third baseman. And so they decided, and then thought Chipper was athletic enough to play third base. And he obviously was. Yeah. Called that one, right? Absolutely. I think the Braves definitely did their homework when uh, when signing Chipper. And there was also the big debate when Chipper was coming out um, between Chipper and a pitcher named Todd Van Poppel, who was a really, really high, thought-of prospect. And so the Braves had a big decision to make, whether they were going to sign Todd Van Poppel or Chipper um, with the number one pick. And I think the Braves absolutely made the, made the right call in signing Chipper Jones instead of Todd Van Poppel. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think RG3 here is going to get into his MVP year, um, 1999. 1999 with 319. A 319 batting average. Yeah, which is really good. 319 is really good. And then the stat that really jumps out to me, 45 home runs and 110 RBIs. <laughs> that's that's pretty, pretty special for a guy to do that. And I heard an interview with Chipper last night um, where, where Chipper said, when people come through Atlanta, they have to come through me. <laughs> like, like you're gonna have to get me out, and you're in for a battle. Yeah. When you he, play, when you play the Braves. Mm-hmm. He had 25 stolen bases. Yeah, 25 stolen bases, and and that's another stat that you know really jumped out to me. Um, was the 25 stolen bases? I know a lot of people don't really think of Chipper Jones as being like that fast, but in his younger days, Chipper could really run. He's just really, really athletic. Had really good speed. I guess the other the other big year for Chipper Jones when you think about it. It's 2008. At age 36, he won the batting title. He hit with a batting average of 364 and an on-base percentage of 470. I mean, to do that at age 36 is pretty special. And, you know, not a lot of people can do that. Because honestly, at that age, and you're playing baseball, you know, father time is, you know, kind of nipping at your heels a little bit, <laughs> so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that's what made Chipper so special that year in 2008. Was just being able to hit for the batting title. And that's mm-hmm. the only batting title he's won in his career, believe it or not. And the other interesting fact about Chipper is he's never won a gold glove. But we all know Chipper Jones is never playing great defense. Hmm. For sure. Um, I guess we'll look here in his postseason stats. He had a career 297 average, 13 career postseason homers, um, 47 career postseason RBIs, and... On base percentage of .409. The big year, obviously, it was 1995. That was his rookie year when the Braves won the World Series. Going back to 1999, his MVP year was a big year. Um, he had a lot of big moments in 99 for the Braves in the playoffs against the Mets. I guess the other thing that stands out to me about um, about Chipper is how clutch he was. 
like in big moments. Um, speaking of moments, my favorite Trevor Jones moment probably ever of his career was his last his last major league home run in the big leagues, mm-hmm. him against the Phillies <laughs> of Jonathan Pavelbon. Um, it was September, you know, the Braves were fighting for a wild card spot, and Chipper came up in the ninth. We were runners on base, and Chipper, Chipper was batting left-handed, and Pavelbon grew to fastball right down his zip code, and Chipper just destroyed it in the right <laughs> field seats. It was the final home run in his major league career. Yeah. His 468th career homer. And I remember just losing my mind <laughs> when he did that. I remember running around my house screaming and being like, he's a god. He's a god. It was unbelievable. And I think that right there just shows like his greatness and how great of a player he was. What was your favorite Chipper Jones moment throughout his career? I would have to career? say my favorite moment... Uh, when I made it out to his uh, retirement night, that was great against the Marlins. You know, just gave you chill bumps. Uh, if I remember right, I think you called him hitting a home run. Yeah. And oh gosh, what inning was that? But it was right, right when he went up to bat, and you said he's gonna knock this one out. Yeah. And lo and behold, he did. Yeah, he absolutely had a flair for the dramatic, and is definitely. My all-time favorite baseball player, no doubt about it. He was clutch, and he was Atlanta's own. I mean, he was a homegrown guy and was, was very, very passionate about playing for the Braves and, you know, wanted, you know, wanted to build um, a winner here in Atlanta. And he, and he was a big reason why the Braves were on the division run that they were. You know, 14 straight division titles. I don't think that'll ever be replicated in the history of sport, probably ever again. Um, my other favorite thing... About Chipper Jones, as we all know, with Chipper's career, um, he had a he had a love and a passion for beating the Mets and hitting home runs against the Mets. His first major league home run was actually in New York, his rookie year, and so that was pretty special for him to do that. And later, and later on in life, he named one of his sons Shea after Shea Stadium, a stadium that he owned and a fan base that he enjoyed beating. Because the Mets and the Braves at that time had a big rivalry. And, and I can remember being a kid, uh, just enjoying, you know, watching that great rivalry unfold. And especially when Chipper came up to bat against the Mets, I thought, okay, my Braves got a chance. Well, let's start it up for this week on the Fan for All Seasons podcast. I'm Jamin Jocelyn. And RG3. And we'll talk to you next week. That's the Fan for All Seasons podcast.